0: And from my perspective, I think you're beginning to see a nascent conversation, really early stages happening between kind of the Web3 community and the AI community. And what happens when you start to kind of converge these foundational technologies, you know, how this convergence of technologies is going to be a little bit of a game changer.
1: TechSauce Global, sparking innovative thoughts. Hello, this is TechSauce Global Podcast, a podcast series that seeks to connect with leading professionals from various fields to gain insight, learn from them, and inspire our community with the latest innovative ideas. I'm Chawarat Chawaratyong a global content editor at TechSauce and your host. Today, we take a look at the latest movements within the fintech sector, which has been impacted by environmental, social, and governance factors, artificial intelligence, and digital currencies. To gain more insight on what is actually happening, we talk with Pat Patel, the Executive Director of Elevandi, a non-profit entity set up by the Monetary Authority of Singapore, or MAS, to connect people and businesses' ideas and insights in the fintech sector in Singapore and around the world. Pat is building a collaborative fintech ecosystems, uh, relations across uh, South Asia, Africa, and Europe at national and industry level. Hello, Pat. Hi,
0: it's great to be um, on your show. Uh, I'm a big fan of TechSource.
1: We are a big, big fan of you as well uh, and your work. Um, just to set up uh, the conversation, can you share us, uh, you know, share more about Elevandi and your purpose?
0: Absolutely. So, Elevandi is a very, very unique project that we set up in 2021 uh, when I was part of the Monetary Authority of Singapore. The actual name Elevandi is taken from Latin, which means to come together, to rise up. And and that is a heart and soul of what we're seeking to do, which is to build um, a, a kind of foster a dialogue between the public sector on one side and the private sector on the other side. And so what we do with this is we we convene the right people to shape the right kind of policies and regulations that are coming down the line and also try and support the industry to build the right products and services within financial services. And so, you know, it's very closely aligned to technology. It's closely aligned to the different verticals in in, in fintech. And, and we try to kind of uncover and advance those growth and adoption opportunities. And so one of the, you know, theses that we have that kind of underpins a lot of what we're doing is you think about, say, the web two industry sector that kind of grew in 2007 and 2008, where you had mobile on one side, cloud, and social coming together to form companies such as Airbnb, Uber, a lot of the social media companies that we see today. They kind of grew in scale over this, you know, over a 10 year period, but they didn't really have a dialogue with the regulator or the policymaker. And now, as you're beginning to see, we're seeing A bit of a clampdown on these so-called big tech companies you know we're seeing it in europe we're seeing it in the us and certainly we've seen it in china as well and so we believe that as we move um, as a society and as an industry towards a web3 world you really need to have that dialogue between the policymaker and the regulator with the industry so the industry can kind of build the right products and services that are have taken into account some of these policies and regulations coming down the line but also the regulator and policymaker can really understand where these technologists and innovators are driving uh, the financial services sector forward. And so, you know, it's a great project to be involved in. You know, we're a non-profit organization. Our KPIs are simply to advance fintech and tech in financial services. And so, you know, it's an amazing time to be in this industry because there's so much change and disruption. Clearly, there are some tough times out there, but that's where some of the best products and services are delivered and we see it as our mission to uncover some of those products and services and connect them to the right people with regulators, policymakers, but also investors and 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 kind of corporate leaders so we can advance into multiple ju- uh, jurisdictions. So it's uh, it's great times at the moment at Levandy. I
1: I, I believe so. And it, it, it is true, right? Everything is evolving. Everything is changing. Uh, but at the same time, you really have to have that insurance that's kind of like security blanket that we are able to work together, coincide with you know both the public and private sectors. Uh, when we take a look at the changes that we've seen in the fintech world, definitely it has been a world win of some sort. Um, what are some of the key changes you're seeing right now?
0: Sure. So I, I think there's a, a few key trends. You know, I could probably talk all day with you about this, but I'll try to pick out a few, I think. So the first for me is if you think about fintech, it feels like the honeymoon period is over. You know, if you think in in between the years of 2016 to about 2022, there was lots of capital in the industry, and so that fueled a lot of growth of fintech. But now we're seeing a change. You know, we're seeing a change in business models as fintech is evolving in and these tough market conditions. But we're also seeing challenges in the VC world that was traditionally used to fuel the growth and adoption. And you know, I'm sure you remember in 2021 there were some amazing funding rounds, largely from the Western countries um, where, you know, 100 million, 200 million kind of funding rounds, which which is absolutely insane. In some cases, it was close to a billion. And so we're seeing a change at the moment in the sense that, you know, exit strategies have changed, you know, that golden kind of handshake of a, an IPO is not necessarily paved with gold anymore. And, and you know, we're seeing changes in, in how founders are looking at their businesses and I think one of the you know interesting nuances here is that in the past growth was kind of preferred over profitability but that's flipped now and profitability is is the key um the key phrase in in fintech at the moment because it's all well and good growing but if your business and your bottom line isn't isn't showing the right margins then you know, you're unlikely to get your next funding round. And so this dynamic is having a very profound impact on the fintech industry. And in my personal opinion, I think it's for the best. I really do. You know, you need to build resilient business models and businesses that have, you know, viable products and services for today, not for tomorrow or the day after. And that's kind of one thing. The second piece we're seeing is is all around risk management. It's not massively sexy as a topic, but it's a very important one. And if you think about everything that's happened in, say, the last kind of six to 12 months, there's been a massive issue around businesses and how they manage their risk. You know, we've seen it in the banking industry. We saw it in the US with SVB. We've also seen it with Credit Suisse. And so what we firmly believe is that a lot of businesses um, in the world today have risk frameworks that were fit for purpose yesterday and probably the day before yesterday, but they're not fit for purpose today or tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. And so, you know, we're seeing this change happening. And one of the dialogues that we're having, you know, in Europe and Africa, but also importantly in in Singapore at the end of the year at the festival will be around what does this new risk framework look like? How can we future-proof our businesses to remain resilient? And so that's kind of a, a really, you know, important topic for us. And, and then the last piece is, and, you know, it's it's thankfully, you know, the the raison d'etre of, of what Elevanti is, is that increasing the dialogue between the public and the private sector. And this is, you know, importantly needed because it will drive the growth and adoption and the security and safety of technology, so digital assets and artificial intelligence, but also fintech businesses that are looking to create disruption um, for the better in financial services. So they are kind of the three areas. If I was to recap, it's kind of, it's it's around the changing business models and, and VC landscape. It's risk management. And then the third area is around that public and private sector dialogue.
1: It's amazing how, you know, what you're saying has uh, been echoed with a lot of the different speakers I've talked about, about you know, uh, I, what the world we are today is definitely not the world that we were in before COVID nineteen, and you know, uh, longevity is is the key. So, with these factors in mind, um, how do you see it impacting emerging markets? You know, specifically, you know, in Southeast Asia.
0: No, no, it's a very good question, and, and so I see a few again, a few changes. I think, um, you know, the concept of digital public goods um, is a really important one. So. The best way to explain this is if you look at, say, what's in India at the moment, you have something called the India stack. And that stack comprises of four key pillars. The first pillar is a digital identity system. The second pillar is, is all around payments, but an interoperability of payments and payment systems. The third one is around an exchange, so a data exchange of financial and non-financial information in a trusted and secure way. And then the last area, which is mostly the 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 trickiest part to get right, is that consent architecture. So how do consumers and businesses consent for their data to be used in certain ways? And so when an economy has those four pillars, they have the fundamentals of a digital economy. And to date, we only have India has this technology, Singapore has variants of it. And then you're seeing some of this across Northern Europe. But it's a, a very important part for a financial inclusion, because if you have this stack in place, it reduces the cost to serve and provides reach to the masses. And coming back to the India example, you know, there are close to, I think it's just over 1 billion people are on this database that is biometrically enabled and just allows people to be able to move money, open bank accounts, but it just makes the whole kind of financial system much, much easier. And it's not just financial services, it's across the range of industries where you have an identity that you can, you know, move um, different goods and services, but also different products um, into, into, you know, different parts of the economy. It increases the velocity of money as well. And so we see that as a big trend that is set to shape and impact not just Southeast Asia, Africa and LATAM as well. And so that's an important piece, digital public goods. The second is um, the growth of kind of micro-based products for inclusion. So whether it's micro-pensions or micro-insurance products, but these are kind of springing up across Southeast Asia. I think Southeast Asia is probably one of the front runners, um, but you're beginning to see it in Africa and Latin as well. And these are affordable kind of customized services for the masses. So it's not just for those that have said this world but those that are kind of the have-nots in this world and, and, you know, the rural areas where you can afford micro-based products, pensions and, and micro-insurance products, which are very, very important for, you know, communities to develop and grow and pass on to their next generation. The last piece here is around a continued story around super apps. And so we've seen super apps kind of become very pervasive across Southeast Asia. Largely emanating from China, but we're beginning to see that story kind of unfold and and and, and advance again. As especially if you see what Gojek's currently doing in terms of well, I say Gojek is go to now with the merger of Gojek and, and Tokopedia, but we're seeing that with Grab. We're seeing kind of similar types of companies spring up across Africa and LATAM as well. And I certainly see that these super app kind of the next wave of super apps are are going to continue to drive convenience access. And also an important one is embedded finance to make that experience a lot more seamless. And so those are kind of the three areas, the digital public goods, micro products, and then the next story of the super app dialogue.
1: So cutting that kind of like uh, gap between, you know, in terms of the credit grab in in society, right? Um, At the same time, we also have, you know, ESG factors, you know, sustainability and environmental, social and governance factors, all impacting the finance industry as well. How how has that been so far?
0: Well, it, it's been a stop-start journey for the last few years, and you know, I think when markets are tough and conditions are very challenging, it seems to take it seems to slow down the momentum of of ESG in 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 in, in corporates and and financial services, and you know, from our perspective, you know, these environmental considerations are going to be costly to start with, but they pay off in the longer term in terms of the, the way consumers and businesses engage with your products and services. And, you know, this is a desperation, basically, to move towards net zero and ideally net negative, because this is an imperative. It's not an option anymore. If we want our future generations to be able to have the luxuries and, and live and breathe in in the way that we currently do, we need to be making these changes quite swiftly. And so, you know, as we kind of move along on this dialogue, you know, we have an important conversation that's happening in Zurich in uh, towards the end of this month, which is called the Point Zero Forum, and that's where we're bringing together policymakers, regulators, and the right industry leaders to have this important dialogue. And you know, one of the key bits here is around how can we leverage, you know, technologies such as digital assets and artificial intelligence to solve some of the challenges we're seeing on the ESG side. a great example of this is, you know, moving towards say, you know, kind of our carbon footprints, but moving towards kind of proxy data to real world data. So we can really effectively track and measure, and then obviously understand how we need to improve going on year by year. So from my perspective, you know, it's massively important. I just think the industry needs to do more. I think as a, as a society, we can do better.
1: You know, I'm gonna bring a buzzword here that probably will probably have a part in 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 what you just said before, and that is artificial intelligence or AI. you have seen it everywhere. Um, how do you see the integration of AI influencing the financial sector in the next decade?
0: Well, it seems to be the buzzword, you're right. Uh, that hype cycle is in overdrive right now. You know, if you think back to kind of 2017, 2018, there was a, a big momentum shift towards artificial intelligence. That then subsided a little bit and you started to see digital assets and and kind of the word crypto kind of spring up and take a lot of the limelight. And as we've seen, you know, last year with the crypto winter, you know, AI seems to have kind of, you know, risen and and moved up that food chain. And so, you know, we're seeing it as um, an important foundational technology that's going to impact the front office, but also the back office. Of financial institutions, and so we're seeing a lot of investments coming into AI. You know, I was in um, Silicon Valley um, and LA uh, a few months ago, and you know, every conversation I was having was around artificial intelligence. It felt like every pitch deck that was being presented to me had the word AI in there, and it feels that if you put that word in a pitch deck, you've increased the value of your business, which is just really insane today. But, but you know. If you take that hype away, there are some real tangible products and services that are being built. And from my perspective, I think you're beginning to see a nascent conversation, really early stages happening between kind of the Web3 community and the AI community. And what happens when you start to kind of converge these foundational technologies? You know, it can help with privacy. It can help with security as well by leveraging some of these AI or generative AI capabilities. And so, you know, we're in conversations with a few companies that are doing some really interesting projects that are in stealth mode, and we're hoping to bring them across to the festival so they can share, you know, how this convergence of technologies is going to be a little bit of a game changer. And we'll see the momentum of both of these two technologies kind of move you know, over the coming years to really create some interesting kind of propositions, but, but solve some real world challenges that we're seeing, certainly on the sustainability side, but also increase efficiencies. and and the cost to serve in the front and the back office.
1: You know, uh, it's also interesting what you said, you know, cryptocurrency has uh, kind of like up and down with that. But, you know, we have the rise of digital currencies and central bank digital currencies or CBDCs, Um, we can't deny it. So what implications do you see for the future of finance on this side?
0: On CBDCs and digital currencies, so it's massive, you know, from my personal perspective, CBDCs have taken a little bit of time to take off, you know, there's been these experiments, there's been industry consultations, you know, it feels like it's been going on for like five to seven years, but I think we're beginning this year to see some tangible kind of, not pilot, but actually real world kind of implementations and, you know, we've seen some of it across LATAM. We're seeing kind of these different jurisdictions across Europe and, and, and Asia kind of collaborating. I will start to see a bit more movement happening this year. But on, on the note of kind of stablecoins, I believe, you know, there are some great use cases coming out. And, and one of my favorite ones where we're seeing large corporates experimenting, but also leveraging this technology is around how global companies that have multiple subsidiaries and very complex supply chains across multiple jurisdictions can leverage stablecoins that help reduce costs and increase those efficiencies. And I think that will be one of the killer use cases, certainly in stablecoins, that we'll see over the coming year. And I believe, you know, there is a number of car manufacturers, there are a number of kind of industry sectors that are using, you know, stablecoins in in terms of within the enterprise itself. Um, yes, there are risks and we're likely to see more regulations coming down the line. But, I, you know, I think this is, this is... You know, this is obvious. This is natural to happen. There needs to be that, you know, security and and safety in mind. And I think it's good to the industry to a degree, as long as it doesn't hinder the growth and innovation and and technology uh, adoption and growth.
1: You know, we, I, it's really hard to kind of like put everything together in 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 the time that we have. But you have been able to really give us an insight into all the big issues that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are are, are wanting to know about. Uh, but let's talk about your work. You know, uh, I hear that you are starting a new initiative in Africa and also uh, this advanced financial inclusion. Um, how how are you moving right now?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's super fast paced. It feels like there is just so much going on, so much activity. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's a, a great time to be in financial services. And we see ourselves at the forefront of where the industry currently is. And we're looking to kind of push those boundaries forward. So that that's a fantastic place to be. You know, one of our latest projects is is in Africa, and you know, um, by the time this this show actually goes out, we would have kind of been there. And so, you know, this is, um, you know, it's uh, it's a dialogue around implementation in Africa and and the global south. It's a dialogue around inclusion. And you know, when I talk about implementation and and inclusion. You know, you've got two elements to this. You've got the foundations. So I alluded to that earlier with digital public goods. So if you have, you know, these four pillars in place, it can really make a difference in terms of the products and services that can be built on top of this, you know, this national infrastructure, which allows seamless transfer of money, seamless transfer of data, but also seamless transfer of your identities to the companies that you choose that you want to share with. And so that will be a fundamental piece in in the advancements of financial inclusion. You know, another dialogue that we're going to be happening um, having at the Africa kind of the um, inclusive uh, fintech forum in in Rwanda is is around those verticals in financial services. So micro based products, as I mentioned, but also how do we start to look at kind of capital markets? How do we start to improve these kind of capital market infrastructure to attract more investment? to come in and fund the next wave of businesses. And, and that's an important dialogue that we'll be having, as well as supporting businesses to scale across multiple markets and ideally across different regions, because there are lots of opportunities for companies in Southeast Asia to export some of their products and services and partnerships across Africa, but also in Latin, because there's been so many great advancements in Southeast Asia. I think the the other kind of points to note here is. And the importance of what we're doing in Africa is that we're bringing a number of the presidents and prime ministers coming in for that dialogue with the industry. We'll also be bringing policymakers and regulators so we can really start to think through these infrastructure questions, but also that inclusion policy. So how do we create inclusive and sustainable fintech businesses? And back to, you know, what I'd said at the beginning, you need that public-private sector dialogue. And that's exactly what Elevandi is about. And that's what we're hoping to achieve in terms of advancing the financial inclusion debate by bringing together not just the communities in Africa, but the communities in Southeast Asia and the communities in Latin America, because there are so many commonalities in terms of the demographics and the challenges that we all face in this part of the global South.
1: A big feat. Are you getting enough sleep, Pat? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Absolutely not, um, Absolutely not. <laughs> I, 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 have, I have amazing team. I, I'm very fortunate you, to have an amazing team. yeah you know but yeah
1: it is very important and and I'm so excited to hear about your work because of that point you know the the importance of the private public relationship that we really need and and that connectivity that we kind of struggled with during the pandemic uh, a lot of points that you know you address today, I think a lot of people are anticipating to see what's next in terms of um, ESG factors, whether it is AI or, you know, digital currencies. And so, of course, as always, this year, uh, you are going to have the Singapore FinTech Festival, which has been, you know, touted as one of the biggest festivals of all time in in FinTech. Um, What should we expect from SFF 2023?
0: So, you know, we are so excited about what's going to come up you know, in November. So it's the 13th to the 17th of November. And it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger year on year. It feels like we've managed to kind of create the right dialogue. And and we refer to this as a policy, technology, and financial services dialogue. So bringing these three kind of elements together creates what is the fundamentals of the Singapore Fintech Festival. And, you know, we're expecting 65,000 crazy fintech folks and and policymakers and regulators all coming into Singapore during that week. You know, our theme this year is around the applications of AI. So we'll be exploring practical use cases. We'll be exploring about the investment curve that's coming into into artificial intelligence. But we'll also be covering some of the other building blocks that we're seeing in terms of the important topics around Web3, financial inclusion, uh, digital public goods that I mentioned, And then also, you know, that move towards kind of um, net zero, how do we achieve that um, in terms of, you know, um, driving forward, you know, new products and services, but also making sure we're doing this in a sustainable way. And so all of the dialogues that we have in, in Europe that is happening at the Point Zero Forum at the end of June and what we're having in Africa, all of these key dialogues and people will be coming across to the festival to continue that set of uh, conversations, but also continue the collaboration and the partnerships. Uh, other things that are new for this year is that, you know, we realized um, based on customer feedback that, you know, the expo where we we host the festival is, is just so large that it's mm-hmm. very difficult to navigate your way around. You know, it's like your first day at school where, you know, everything just seems, you know, massive. And so what we've decided to do this year is create different zones. So we'll have a tech zone, We'll have a regulator's zone, we'll have a founder's zone, we'll have a talent development zone, and we'll even have a, an ESG zone as well. And so this will help people to kind of navigate and really get to the content and companies that they want to have those dialogues with, because it's all about that engagement. It's all about those dialogues. And so, you know, fortunately for this year, we're also partnering with a number of really interesting companies. One is um, Thai, which is a, a, an entrepreneurial kind of um, association out of Silicon Valley. They have like 50, I think 57 chapters around the world. You know, it's entrepreneurs, it's investors. And so they'll be uh, locating at the Singapore Fintech Festival. So that will be, bring, a you know, a large segment of U.S. investors, a large segment of uh, U.S. entrepreneurs into the festival. So that starts to have you know, a good, a good dialogue there. And then we're also partnering with uh, a company called Salt, which is run by Skybridge, and that's a, an asset managers event And so they'll be co-locating during the week of the festival and they'll be bringing you know their communities to the table as well and all this does is just expand the different communities from different jurisdictions that will be at the festival because as you know you know we have a large part of asia coming we have africa coming from our recent projects that we're doing we have europe coming and now we'll start to see more of the u.s community and the latin america community coming over for the festival and there's three kind of particular projects that I want to mention just very briefly I I hope we've still got time uh, one is the north. yeah oh, great so one is the insights forum that we're running and and this is a, a series of roundtables on point topic areas so they're there intended to advance whether it's artificial intelligence whether it's stable coins whether it's cbdcs whether it's even cross-border payments and we partner with these roundtables with some of the, you know, impressive organizations in the public sector and quasi-public sector, so organizations like the IMF, the MES will be there, the Swiss government, the World Bank, the IFC, the Milken Institute, and so we partner with them to run these roundtables with the sole intention of creating a series of white papers on, on the dialogue that happens. But also looking to kind of influence and shape some of the policy choices that are coming down the line, whether it's stable coins related, digital assets or AI based. And so these are kind of really curated dialogues that help advance the industry. And that product is the Elevandi Insights Forum, and that will be running in the early part of the week. Another product that we uh, were launching as well this year is the Capital Meets Policy Dialogue. And so after, you know, a number of conversations with VCs of all shapes and sizes, so whether it's a VC, whether it's an LP, family office, a sovereign wealth fund, you know, when we spoke to them, they said to us, one of the most important things that they need right now is to understand policy roadmaps in different jurisdictions around the world, because if they understand these policy roadmaps, that will inform their investment thesis that in turn informs the capital deployment choices that they will be making in different markets around the world. And so that is a really important conversation to bring investors together with policymakers and regulators. And the last one we have here, which I I hope is very relevant to a a large number of the founder community um, that TechSource um, uh, um, reaches out to, is something called the the Founders Peak. And so this is a, a very similar format to TED, where we give uh, founders 10 minutes to talk about the pivotal moment that has influenced where they currently are today. So that moment that has got them to where their business is today. So they're not allowed to talk about their products or services. They're not allowed to talk about their companies. It's about the person that's leading the business. And this is such a great format because it really resonates with investors. Because if you think a lot of investors are buying into the company, yes, but they're importantly are buying into the founder that's leading the business. And so for a founder to get on stage and deliver a 10 minute ted type talk is just a cathartic moment for the founder, but also a very important moment for investors that are watching that talk to really get to understand underneath the skin of that, that, that individual, whether it's a man or a woman, um, that's delivered and driven that business to where it is today. And so that's kind of, you know, a few interesting products that we'll have at the uh, Singapore FinTech Festival. And one of the most important ones is, is our partnership with TechSource. So we're currently in conversations around how we can kind of work together on, on your global summit, which is happening in August, and how in turn uh, TechSource can kind of provide um, a, a, a partnership on site at the Singapore FinTech Festival. And so we're currently exploring that. And all I can say is stay tuned for more. Because, you know, we have high hopes that we'll be able to deliver something meaningful at your event and vice versa at the Singapore FinTech Festival in partnership with TechSource.
1: Wow, I am excited. Thank you, Pat. You did it well. Thank you so much for being with us here today and and sharing your insights on the latest movements in FinTech and Elevandi's work as well. We look forward to SFF 2023 and, of course, you as well being a part of the TechSource Global Summit Uh, This has been the latest episode of Texas Global Podcast. If you want to listen to more inspiring conversations such as this, you can find out the podcast series at texas.co or slash en. Thanks for joining us. See you in our next episode of Texas Global Podcast. Sariqa. Texas, sparking innovative thoughts.